In Esther chapter 7, we're going to see Haman's fall. And he is going to fall hard and literally hang high. And his downfall is his pride. You know, pride does go before a destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And Haman is really the picture of that kind of life. And we need to take heed to our own pride lest we fall. We'll learn more about that today on Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's message, we want to let you know that this is a listener-supported ministry. Call with your gift at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now, here's Pastor Michael. How many of you struggle with confrontation? Confrontation's no fun. Even if you know someone deserves it, it's still no fun because you got to confront them. And that's not comfortable. And so she knew with a small intimate dinner like this, have you ever been there and you know you got to say something hard to somebody and you're like, okay, i got to wait for the perfect move. Maybe have one more bite of the bread. Maybe I wait till the dessert is served, sweeten them up a little bit. This is her moment. She's risking everything. She's going to have to come clean about her ethnicity and the fact that she's covered it up for years. She's going to immediately, when she says who she is, place herself under the edict of death, associate herself with her people, and immediately be under that law of death. She really doesn't know for sure how the king will respond. And so the queen, third time she's called the queen, Esther answered and said, three, if I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it please the king, let my life be given as my petition and my people as my request. Now the measured language that she uses is directly in keeping with verse two. The king said, what is your petition? What is your request? In verse three, she says, my petition is my life. My request is my people. If you want to know what I'm asking for, if you want to know why I've gone through all of this, what I'm asking you for, king, is my life. I'm asking you for the life of my people. Esther begins kind of rapidly putting it out there. But here, it's almost an effort to keep her emotions in check. What I'm asking you for is that I don't die. Me and my people. She now essentially begs for her life and that of her people because the two are linked together. She cannot separate herself from their life and their destiny. She's Jewish. She's in the covenant. And Mordecai had told her, don't think that just because you're in the palace that you're not going to die along with this edict too. Who knows? Maybe you've come to royalty for such a time as this. And now she says, look, I am with my people. I'm asking for my life. I'm asking for their life. If I found favor in your sight, and I think it's more than just, you know, courtroom or uh, royal court etiquette. She needs the favor of the king right now. I'm asking for my life and the life of my people. When we're praying for people, 
and we're interceding for people, especially as it relates to salvation. In many ways, we are praying a life and death prayer. We're asking for the life of people that we love to find eternal life. And that's not a light thing. And so she's not looking for half of the king's kingdom. She has no material concern whatsoever. What she puts before the king is a life and death scenario. Now, if you're Haman there and you begin to hear some of this stuff, you're like, what is she saying? You could be midway through a bite of one of those nice little buns, you know. What? What's she say? She says, for we have been sold for I and my people to be destroyed. Now, this is the direct language of the edict that went out, signed, you know, stamped by the signet king of the ring. We've been the signet king of the signet ring of the king. Easy for me to say. We've been sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. Now, if we had only been sold as slaves, and the irony is that she had kind of been sold as a slave when she became the queen, men and women, I would have remained silent, for the trouble would not be commensurate with the annoyance to the king. Look, this is a serious thing, but even that I wouldn't have brought up. But my people have been sold. My people are to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. She says, I wouldn't bring this up unless this was life and death stuff. Turn to uh, Esther chapter 3. Take a look for a second. This is some of the language that is mentioned. Esther 3, look at verse 8. Haman said to King Ahasuerus 3.8, There is a certain people scattered and dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom, their laws are different from those of all the other people. They do not observe the king's laws. So it is not in the king's interest to let them remain. 3.9 If it is pleasing to the king, let it be decreed that they be destroyed and I will pay. Remember she says we were sold. Uh, here Haman says I will pay. We, if we can just get this done, king, I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who carry on the king's business to put into the king's treasuries. Then the king took his signet ring from his hand, gave it to Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews. You see, essentially, Haman tried to bribe the king with money. And there's a little debate about what this means, but he may just be saying, look, if there's a loss, if all these Jewish people are killed and destroyed, and he doesn't name them as Jewish people back here, turn back to chapter seven, he keeps who they are actually hidden, but he's, he's essentially saying, I'll make up for the money. We'll either take their, their money or their possessions or some way will replenish the king's treasuries. Essentially, this is a bribe. And the king is so uninterested Apparently, he doesn't have a problem with genocide, that he just gives the signet, which is like his signature. Just give that to me and I'll sign it. Okay, fine, fine, let's get this done, good. You're my right-hand man, I trust you. It's in the king's interest to do this. And so, repeating that idea, you see, Esther is talking to the king, but indirectly, she's talking to Haman. And on a sub-level, it's something like this. King, we've been sold. We're to be annihilated, destroyed. We've been sold. I know what you've been up to. 
I know what you've been doing. Now, can you imagine? There you are, Haman. You get a little squirmy. <laughs> you see, all of a sudden, it's coming out. She makes her petition to the king, but she is speaking to Haman as well. Have you noticed Haman hasn't said a word through the whole dinner? <laughs> I think it's becoming tougher and tougher to swallow his food, and he may be getting a little indigestion at this point during the dinner. I'm not hungry. No, I don't want seconds. And so the king Ahasuerus asked Queen Esther 5, Back in chapter 7, who is he and where is he and who would presume to do thus? The language may indicate stuttering surprise. Who is it? Where is he? This is kind of like what you say when you come home from work, guys, and your wife says, the kids have been a disaster and they broke your favorite lamp. And you say to your wife, who was it and where are they? Because <laughs> they're good. <laughs> They're upstairs to the right. Okay, wait here. <laughs> he might be thinking something like this. Not Esther. The king could understand threats against royalty, right? A, a plot had been uncovered about his, his own life. Uh, an assassination plot from Mordecai. He could understand that. That kind of stuff happens. But not Esther. What did she ever do to anybody? Beautiful, he might say, innocent Esther. We could argue in one sense that Esther may have been the only light of God in his life. Because Esther does appear to be a believer, right? We don't know a whole lot because God's name's not even mentioned, but she has called for a fast. She, there is a faith there that we can read between the lines. And maybe the king is thinking, no, not her. Who would, who would dare to want to destroy my wife, the queen. You may be the only person in some people's life that shine the light of God. Maybe you're the only Christian at a workplace. Maybe you're the only Christian in your family. And sometimes that's why the enemy turns up the heat in your life, by the way, is you may be having a bigger impact than you think. And when you get attacked spiritually, Maybe that's a sign that you're doing something right. Now at this point, the king is saying, ESV, who has dared to do this? Point him out to me like the cowardly lion and the wizard. I'll tear him apart. I'll tear him apart. And technically at this point, Esther could have said, well, the one who dared to do this mirror is you. She could have done that because technically the king had given his signet to the edict. And he didn't even seem to bother to find out who the people were and the fact that he was married to one of them. And so he just gave his stamp of approval. Yeah, 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 let's get on with it. Sometimes people are trying to tell us stuff that's more important than we give a good listening ear to. What do you mean we sold the house? Yeah, I told you the other day we sold the house. What? We're moving to Idaho. What? <laughs> Was the football game on? Yes. I told you never to talk to me. No crucial discussions when that's going on. 
That's why I talked to you while I was going on, so I could slip it on right by you. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Did you know God's name is not mentioned once in the book of Esther, but his fingerprints are all over it? The famous verse, and who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this, tells us that Mordecai sensed God moving in the darkest of times. This is a story about ordinary, everyday people taking a stand and becoming vessels through which God saved a nation. The story is filled with satire and seriousness, but it ends with celebration as God turns things around for good as only He can. Get your copy of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching of the entire book of Esther for such a time as this. Yours as a thank you for your financial gift of $30 or more to Walk in Truth. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. We understand that time can really get away from you. The day-to-day hustle can sometimes leave little time for the more important things in life, like Bible study. Remember that Pastor Michael's teachings can be heard at any time, day or night, on walkintruth.com. You don't have to worry that you have to get out of the car right now, because today's teaching is already online, ready for you to listen when it's most convenient for you. Visit walkintruth.com today to hear all the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. That's walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Maybe the king is thinking, no, not her. Who would, who would dare to want to destroy my wife, the queen? You may be the only person in some people's life that shine the light of God. Maybe you're the only Christian at a workplace. Maybe you're the only Christian in your family. And sometimes that's why the enemy turns up the heat in your life, by the way, is You may be having a bigger impact than you think. And when you get attacked spiritually, maybe that's a sign that you're doing something right. Now at this point, the king is saying, ESV, who has dared to do this? Point them out to me like the cowardly lion and the wizard. I'll tear them apart. I'll tear them apart. And technically at this point, Esther could have said, Well, the one who dared to do this mirror is you. She could have done that because technically the king had given his signet to the edict. And he didn't even seem to bother to find out who the people were. And the fact that he was married to one of them. And so he just gave his stamp of approval. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get on with it. Sometimes people are trying to tell us stuff that's more important than we give a good listening ear to what do you mean we sold the house yeah i told you the other day we sold the house (laughs) what we're moving to idaho what (laughs) was the football game on yes i told you never to talk to me no crucial discussions when that's going on that's why I talked to you while I was going on, so I could slip it on right by you. You do, huh? Yeah, huh? Uh huh? Yeah, huh? Now, the king was complicit. And like uh, Nathan said to David in Second uh, Samuel, she could have said, You are the man. Now, how would that dinner have gone for Esther? 
The king was complicit, but he wasn't the mover and shaker behind the edict. The one who came up with the language of the edict and the drive and the passion was Haman. The king was simply complicit because he didn't just seem to be a very good leader. So that wasn't going to work well, and that wasn't really accurate when we want to be technical. And so here is the dinner. I want you to see if you could imagine the palace and the candles and the food and what Haman's body language looks like at this moment. Because the king is upset. And Haman knows that the king has no problem with dealing with his enemies swiftly. <laughs> and so I don't know if he started whistling. <laughs> <You know? laughs> king, I got to go use the bathroom. Uh, My, 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 how quickly life can change. You go from one moment thinking the king wants to honor you in the royal robes on the royal steed. You're the man who was at dinner with your wife and friends. You were pontificating about your power and prestige, and you're the only one that gets to go to dinner with the king and queen. And I don't know if you knew this, honey, but we have, we have 10 sons. She's like, yeah, yeah, I know how many kids we have. Oh, I just want to remind you about my grandeur and my glory here in the Persian Empire. <laughs> oh, the next day, you in trouble. Because pride goes before destruction. How quickly life can change. How pride can blind us. And Esther drops the bomb, spills the beans, she said. Six, a foe and an enemy is this wicked Haman. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Spotlight. Then Haman became terrified before the king and the queen. The Hebrew is, Rauro, <laughs> what do you do now? This could be rendered... A man hateful and hostile, hostile is wicked Haman. It's horrible Haman. He's the man. Judgment is thick in the night air. Me, me, me. I, 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 I. What do you say when you've been exposed? He has nothing to say. And then the king arose in anger. The king's fury is effectively communicated in Hebrew words which sound like machine gun fire. You ready for a Hebrew word? He arose in anger is the word bakamatao. Bakamatao. <laughs> the king got up. Bakamatao. Pow, 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 pow. <laughs> he stormed out in the garden. The garden was supposed to be like a picture of paradise, you know, a beautiful Persian garden next to the palace, you know, a delightful place to, to be and hang out, but not tonight. The king was furious. He got up from drinking wine. He was angry. He went into the palace garden, but Haman stayed to beg for his life from Queen Esther. He's mad, isn't he? Oh, yeah. He's mad. And isn't it interesting that he stays to beg for his life with the queen? He doesn't walk out with the king into the garden. He's the right-hand man to the king, but he knows the king's upset. So stamen, stamen. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's uh, fitting anyway. 
He stays behind to beg for his life. For he saw the harm, kala in Hebrew, frequently has the sense of taking someone's life. He, he saw that harm had been determined against him by the king. I don't know if it was body language. Remember I told you that they found an archaeological evidence. Uh, they dug up some, something. It's a kind of a picture scene of a man who always stood behind the king with an axe. I don't know if he got up from <laughs> dinner, you know, put his dinner roll down, looked at the guy with the axe and went... Whatever it was, it didn't look good for Haman. And the tables have turned, and now he's begging for his life from Queen Esther because he could see the writing on the wall. Out the king goes, into the garden. But why? Why didn't he just turn to the guy with the axe or call the party in and say, he's dead. Kill him. Why does he storm off into the garden? Well, because he's got a dilemma on his hands. Because technically, he's responsible for the edict. He signed it with his signet. And he's actually complicit in the charges that Esther has put on the table. Haman is the mover and shaker, but the king gave his royal signet to it. And therefore, if he says this is wrong, remember we've been talking about the laws of the Medes and Persians can't be revoked or rescinded. What does he do now? He's going to have to admit that he was wrong. And that doesn't look good for the king. Can he punish Haman for a plot he himself approves, says one writer? If he does so, won't he have to admit his own role, own role in the fiasco and lose face? Moreover, he's issued an irrevocable law. How can he now rescind it? What is he to do? He wants to take this guy out, but he knows on one level he's been played by the guy. And he knows that he's somehow accountable. So he may be pacing. I don't know how much time goes by. I'm just thinking, take him out, but if I do this, and he's weighing it back and forth and now, when the king returned, look at verse 8, he's going to get his answer, and you could say it's by providence. When the king returned from the palace garden into the place where they were drinking wine, Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was. Now, this is another irony. Remember, this whole thing started because a Jewish man wouldn't fall before him now he's falling before the feet of a Jewish woman to do what? To beg for his life. Please don't kill me. Please don't let him kill me. I'm sorry. I'll never do it again. It all started with my upbringing. I'm an Agagite. You know, it's just a problem we got. We, we have these tendencies. We have these Agagite tendencies to destroy and annihilate people. I'm sorry, I'll get counseling, please. <laughs> well, the king walks in as Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was, and the king said, will he even assault the queen with me in the house? Is he going after my wife? Just be, I walked out into the garden, and now he's doing this? Now, do you think that Haman really is trying to assault the queen or molest her or rape her? I don't think so. 
I think Haman is actually just begging for his life, groveling. In the ancient world, you would kind of get at the feet of a person that was above you that could determine your fate, and you would just grovel before him. But they've come up with some uh, stuff from the ancient world that says, when it comes to the king's harem, if you're another man, you cannot be within seven steps of one of his women. And if you're within seven steps, and you want to make sure that you've done long steps, just so you're outside the circle, right? You could die for that. Well, the tables have indeed turned on horrible Haman. And in his desperation, he unwittingly gives the king justification to deal with him to deal with him in a way that really has nothing to do with his evil edict, but gives the king a reason to deal with Haman. And behind all of this, of course, is the hand of God, the providential hand of God, as Haman's own evil comes back on his head. Well, friend, we do have the entire teaching on the book of Esther on a flash drive. We've been telling you about it. And as a thank you for a donation of $30 or more, to this ministry called Walk in Truth, we'll send you out the whole book of Esther as a very special thank you. Thank you for supporting the ministry of Walk in Truth to get the gospel out to everyone who listens. And there's an amazing amount of people listening to Christian radio. Hey, you can partner with us by giving a donation. You can give online and you can get all that information as you visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Now be sure to tune in tomorrow as we look at the end of Esther chapter 7 and see what happens to horrible Haman. Until then, may God richly bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.